So we are uh, continuing on this series that we started last week on titled, Is This the End or Not? And so we are, again, in this series asking the question about the end of the world and the end times. And exactly what, is it, what does it mean? What's going to happen? Now, um, again, last week we started it um, and kicked off this series as we laid the foundation for not just how to study revelation, but how to study prophecy in the Bible. So there, again, the Bible is made up of several different forms of literature, okay? and one of those forms of literature is prophecy. In fact, there's lots of prophecy in the Bible. Um, the, the last two sections of the Old Testament are all prophecy books, and then we have the book of Revelation in the New Testament. That is, it is a book of prophecy, and again, prophecy was written by a prophet, and a prophet was a person who had a special connection with God. God would give them uh, messages to a prophet, and then that prophet was supposed to deliver those messages to, to the people or to a specific group of people. Again, we do not need prophets today because we have the Holy Spirit that lives in the heart of every believer, right? But that Holy Spirit was not given until Acts 2 at Pentecost. And so especially in the Old Testament, God spoke through prophets, And so, again, what the messages they had, they wrote them down as they delivered them to the different people in different situations, and those books that they wrote down are known as prophecy. Now, when we read prophecy, um, there is a certain way that we need to to interpret it and learn and and dive into it in order for it to be properly um, applied to our lives. Okay, as I said last week, prophecy is the most misused, misquoted, and misunderstood form of, of Scripture, period. And so it's very important that when we not just look into Revelation, but just look at prophecy and as a whole in, within Scripture, that we, that we have some, some certain tools in our tool belt to be able to know how to read and interpret it correctly. So um, again, last week, um, we, we kind of set that foundation. And as we know, there's lots of speculation about the end of the world. Again, um, and it's hard to believe or hard to know what should we believe and what should we not believe. Okay, last week we started off with these verses um, in Matthew chapter 24, okay, where the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him this question. Hey, Jesus, how is the world going to end? How are we going to know that it's coming? How are we going to know what we should do during that time? And, and, and wh- where should we be? What, what should we know? Okay, and they came and asked Jesus this question. And then in Matthew 24, he starts explaining lots of different things that they will see, that they will, that will give them clues about when the end is here. Okay, and then Jesus summarizes his answer with these verses in Matthew, okay, Matthew 24, 35 and 36, where Jesus answered them. He said, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. So again, as we look at these words of Jesus, this answer that he gives the disciples, number one is Jesus establishes and tells us, right, that we really can't answer when the world is going to be, okay, because Jesus doesn't even know, right? The angels don't know. Only the Father knows when this will happen. But yet Jesus does confirm for us that indeed the world is going to end as we know it today. The world is going to end, but we also do not know when that will happen. Okay, the other thing that Jesus tells us for sure, right, no matter what, is that his words will never disappear. Again, this world will end. It will disappear, but my words will never disappear. And to us, as followers of Jesus, that is good news. 
right? That means that no matter when the end happens, no matter what the details surrounding the end of the world are, that Jesus remains, that God wins, that his words will never disappear. And, and again, that is a source, I hope, of encouragement for us, because that is good news. If you are a believer and have accepted Christ as your Savior, then you are on God's side. And no matter what the details are surrounding the end times, God wins in the end. And I hope that you are on his side. Okay, and now, again, I want to, before we dive into anything about the end times, okay, I just want to harp on this one more time. Jesus' words will never disappear. And I want to take pause for a moment and look at some of Jesus' words that will never disappear. John 3, 16 through 18. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son in the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Those words will never disappear. Right? And, and again, thank you, Lord, for the way of salvation, for the chosen Messiah coming, for living a sinless life, for dying on a cross, right? Rising again on the third day so that I can be saved, so that we can all be saved and have eternal life. Again, those words will never disappear. And before, again, we dive in and continue into the study about the end of the world, and as we look at some, uh, Revelation today and how do we properly read prophecy and all those things, right, is that this is the most important thing. This is way more important than the end times. And so my hope for you today is that you're here today, you hear this truth, and that you have received Christ as your Savior. And if you have not received Christ as your Savior, I hope that you will do that today, right? You can just pray and confess your sins, ask him into your life, invite him into your life to save you, and he will save you. And then it doesn't matter about the end times, whether we're right about what happens or not about what happens, that you are saved, and you don't have to ever worry or question that again. So that is, okay, are we clear on that? Can we move on now? Are we good? All right. Good. These words will never disappear. Okay, now as we jump into Revelation, okay, I told you last week, um, right, that the book of Revelation is a book that everybody talks about and almost nobody reads. Okay, and, and so I, ch I gave you a challenge last week. Okay, and that challenge was to go home and read it yourself. Okay, now, as we jump into it and realize that the book, that Revelation is the book of the Bible that we tend to focus on when it comes to the end times. Okay, but we also need to realize that this book was originally written to a Christian audience. Okay, it is directed to believers. And when we read within that context, not only does it change how we interpret and apply it, it also reinforces the fact that end times was never supposed to be a salvation issue. Okay, end times is a secondary issue, not a primary issue. Again, the way we are saved is a primary issue. Okay, we all have to agree on that, and we agree on that, right? Again, the words of Jesus. Okay, but the end times is a secondary issue. Okay, we also established, like I said last week, that Revelation is a book that everyone talks about and almost no one reads. So I gave you this challenge. Okay, so now if you were not here last week and you didn't hear the message, you get a free pass because you didn't hear that challenge. Okay, now if you were here last week, okay, and I gave you that challenge, I hope that you did it. So if you actually read Revelation, I'd like you to get up and move over to this section of the sanctuary. <laughs> and no, I'm just, I'm completely kidding. You don't have to do that. 
right? Because again, that would imply if you didn't, then you'd have to move over here, right? And uh, so no, I'm completely kidding. I don't want you to actually do that, okay? But I will tell you, if you didn't read it, I'm not going to embarrass you today, okay? But I will tell you, I really want you to read Revelation, Okay, so again, if you have your Bible, go home and read it. If you don't have a Bible at home, tell me. I will give you one to take home, and you can read it. Okay, and I really do want you to read Revelation uh, for yourself. And again, for those, and I've talked to several of you guys that did, and, and I know it, you have all kinds of interesting questions, and that's great. That's what I wanted to happen, okay, is for you to read the Scripture yourself. Okay, and because again, as we talk about end times, it's, just remember, you're going to hear me say it, it's Scripture, 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 Scripture. Okay, it has to be in Scripture. Okay, and we have to go back to that. Again, that is our core value, that Scripture is our foundation. Right? And again, it is, it's, it's the light that shines on our path. And we have to go back to Scripture, not on somebody else's opinion. Okay, and now as we look at that, again, one of, the, one of the main reasons people don't read it for themselves is because it seems confusing. And it can be confusing if you don't understand how to properly read and apply prophecy. If you do not have the right tools in your tool belt, then revelation can be very, very confusing. Okay, so last week, again, I, we laid the foundation and gave you those tools, okay, that I want to review for you today really quickly, okay, on, on uh, how do we properly read and interpret uh, prophecy. First off, is there are two purposes for prophecy in the Bible. Okay, the first one is foretelling, which is divinely inspired explanation of current or recent events. I mean, I'm going to run through these really quickly. So if, if you don't... Um, if you need more explanation, you can go back and listen to last week's message. I went deeper into it then. Again, there, it's available online and on YouTube and podcasts. You can download it, listen to it in your car. Okay, you can go listen to last week's if, if you need more explanation of what these are. So foretelling or foretelling, which is divinely inspired predictions of future events. Okay, so again, they're either foretelling current or recent events when it was written, okay, or foretelling, which is divinely inspired predictions of future events. So that's first and foremost, we need to ask, which purpose does it fit into? Foretelling or foretelling? And then also, there are three different categories of prophecy in the Bible. The first one is general prophecy, which explains current situations when it was originally written. And again, it could have been a month or two in, in the future from when it was written. And in fact, most general prophecy is that, right? Is them coming and like, hey, if you don't do this, God's going to do that. Okay, and so that's, again, that's still general prophecy, right? Even though it's a little bit in the future, but it's still around that time when it was written. Okay, that's general prophecy. Then sec second one is messianic prophecy. Okay, messianic prophecy, anything to do with the chosen Messiah. Okay, if it talks about Jesus, now again, as Christians, we believe that the chosen Messiah was Jesus Christ. Okay, now there are others out there, again, that don't believe that. I'll tell you, as Christians, that's what we believe, which means now when we look at it after Christ, Right, then messianic prophecy, we believe, is talking about Jesus. Okay, and anything in the prophecy that talks about Jesus is messianic prophecy. Okay, the good example of that is a lot of Isaiah, which Isaiah is prophecy, is a, is a major prophet. A lot of Isaiah is messianic prophecy, which is why we quote a lot of Isaiah verses around Christmas time. Right, because those prophecies are fulfilled in the Christmas story. Okay, because they were messianic prophecy, right? And so we see that. That's a good example. So general, messianic, and then the third category is end times prophecy. And this is prophecy foretelling the events of the end times, of how is the world going to end. Okay, again, I'll tell you, there is, there is lots of end times prophecy even outside of 
Revelation. One of the best examples of that in the Old Testament is the book of Daniel. There's lots of end times prophecy in the book of Daniel. Okay, so as we see, we have the two purposes and the three categories. Okay, and now again, if you get the prophecy in the right purposes and the right category, it suddenly becomes clear and a lot easier to interpret and apply. And all the, the, the opposite is also true. If you get it in the wrong one, it becomes confusing or it will get you very far off from what it, the, you know, God had intended through that scripture. Okay, um, this last week in our small group discussions, Okay, and in our small groups, again, I encourage you, if you're not in a small group, to at least grab the questions and go through them on your own. Okay, but in our small group questions this last week, we looked at, we looked at two passages in Revelation and looked at what, what category and what, what purpose are they, okay, and looked at those. And again, in, and I know in my small group, I know we did, but I hope the other ones did as well, okay, is that then we looked at, now, what if you put this piece of scripture in, in one of the other ones, and how would that lead you down the wrong path? Okay, and we talked about that, and we talked about how, again, it can get you to the different place. Again, I encourage you to work through those, even if you're not in a small group. And especially this week, where small groups aren't meeting this week, right, then uh, definitely grab it and go, you know, go through the material, okay, as we follow up for this week. Again, this, the, the discussion this week, and again, is all centered on Matthew 24. So again, I'm about to open up this can of worms and let a bunch of worms out of the can here in just a few minutes. And so as we do that, the goal this week of the small groups this week is to take those views, everything we talked about today, and, and compare them back to Matthew 24. Okay, and that because, again, the words of Jesus never disappear and everything Jesus says has to match with our conclusions out of Revelation. Okay, and so as we see that, again, that's the, the goal for that. I said there are differing opinions among Christians on exactly what is going to happen at the end times. He said, today we are going to look at the most common ones, the most four most common ones. My intention in showing you these is not to present any of them as the right one. And I'm not going to give you evidence for or against any of these. I'm also not going to give you my personal opinion. Okay, and I'll tell you, I have one, but I'm not going to give it to you today. Okay, um, so my intention in showing you these is for you to know that there are four different options and opinions out there. Okay, if you, leave, again, read anything outside of Scripture, okay, then the author of that book or of that commentary or the biblical scholar or whoever it is you're reading, if it's not Scripture, then they're coming from one of these biases. Okay, they have already decided this is what they believe, and that's what they're teaching you through their, their writing or through their sermon or through whatever it is that you hear. So again, you, we have to go back to Scripture. Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. If you read anything about the end times that is not Scripture, know that they are coming from one of these biases. Okay, and you need to know what bias they're coming from before you study what they, what they give you. Okay, because they are pointing you in a certain direction. Okay, and so again, Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. I hope I'm clear, right? The Scripture is the authority, right? Scripture is very important. Again, this is an area Okay, that we can agree to disagree on as Christians. Okay, if, if I have a different, different view of Revelation and end times than you do, we can both be Christians and we can agree to disagree. Now, there are some things within our faith that we cannot agree to disagree on. For example, I already said, like, is Jesus the Messiah? Yes. Right? We cannot agree to disagree on that and both be Christians. Okay, but again, that is a primary issue. End times is a secondary issue. Okay, end times is not a salvation issue, which means if we don't agree, it doesn't mean that either of us are not saved. Okay, so, all right, are, are we good? Are we clear? Do I need the camera on it a little harder, or are we ready to go? 
Okay, all right. Are your seatbelts fastened? Okay, are we ready for this? Okay, here we go. Okay, Revelation, the four views of Revelation. We are going to start today in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Okay, and so if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Revelation chapter 20. Um, if you don't have your own Bible or have it with you, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat pockets. Um, and on your outline, you'll see the page number of where you can find this passage in that Bible. But this is one of the easiest ones to find. Just flip open the back cover. A couple pages in, you'll find Revelation chapter 20. Okay, Revelation 20. We are going to read verses 1 through 10. Revelation 20, starting at verse 1, where it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. After he, after, afterward, he must be released for a little while. And then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for pro proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the death did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. When the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as the sand along the seashore, and I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. And then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. All right, so now that that's clear, I can just leave, right? Yeah, no, all right, so I know, again, I told you, we were opening up a can of worms here. Okay, so as we read the scripture, okay, and the reason why I wanted to read this scripture today is because this scripture, okay, um, describes the thousand years. Okay, and you saw it was in there several times, right, about the thousand years, and this was a thousand years and a thousand years. Okay, um, and this is the, the number one biggest issue between the differing views of Revelation. Okay, so the key to the four views is the thousand years. Okay, and everything hinges on the thousand years. And so as we go into this, and as we look at uh, these differing views, okay, it, it is very imperative within each view of what does the thousand years mean, and when does it happen. As I go through these here in the next several minutes, I will tell you briefly what each view is based on, and what the thousand years means in that view. All right, so here we go. View number one. Okay, the first one is the historicist view. Historicist view. Again, there is no common name. With these, you'll see there's, there's a couple names for each of these views. I'm giving you these because there's the scholarly name, okay, and the academic name, and then there's the common name. Okay, this one does not have a common name, and you'll see why in a moment. Okay, because this position 
has primarily and mainly been abandoned by all modern biblical scholars. Okay, you likely will not run across this one if you Google end times views. Okay, according to this view, the text was symbolic of real events, and these events span through the history of the church, from Christ's ascension at the end of the Gospels until the final judgment. Okay, the thousand years is not significant in this source of way of interpretation. Okay, according to this view, Revelation was a mix of all three categories of prophecy. Okay, but this view was held primarily by the people who started the Protestant Reformation movement. If you go back through the church history books, you can follow from, from our beginning in Acts chapter 2 with the apostles and the first century church. And then eventually as the church spread outside of Jewish circles, Christian organized on a larger scale and, and eventually became the Catholic church. Then in the late 1500s, a guy named Martin Luther believed that the church had become too ritualized and he broke off to start his own church. Okay, this move by Martin Luther is, is known as the Reformation, and it was the start of the Protestant movement. Okay, and this was when we, all Christians, all of us were not, were not Catholics anymore. Okay, those who held this view of Revelation was basically Martin Luther and all of his buddies. Okay, they saw the Catholic Church and mainly the Pope as the Antichrist. It has been abandoned because the events of history have not matched the prophecy as interpreted by this method. And as time continues to go and we get further and further away from the, from the Reformation and as the Protestant movement continues to go, then time has proven this theory to be incorrect. Okay, so, um, and so again, we are, our church, Church of God, is, is, is in the Protestant arm of church history. Okay, and so again, we, we are, our church goes all the way back to Martin Luther, okay, eventually. And again, after Martin Luther, all of these split off, continue from there, and we, that's how we got all of our modern-day denominations that are not Catholic. Okay, so again, I hope, I, I can see it's all clear now, right? So, but now we can also see that one of the four views has, has been disproven, just because it hasn't come true, okay, through history. So we can already cross off one of them. Okay, so, but this is, again, a major view, and it, it was, it, it literally changed the course of church history. And so uh, that's why I wanted you to know about it. Okay, now, as we cross this one off, we have now already eliminated one of the four views, and now we're down to the three. So see, this seems pretty easy already. Not so fast. Okay, the other three, again, are all very much alive and well today. So here's the next one. Okay, the second one is the preterist view, or post-millennialism. So preterist is the scholarly uh, title for this view. Postmillennialism is the the um, again, the common name, okay, again, if you Google this one, you'd probably find postmillennialism. okay, this view believes that the end of the world, as we know it, will happen after the thousand years, right, hence the name post, right, after millennium is a thousand, okay, so after a thousand, okay, is the common name of this one, it's after a thousand years, okay, like all of the remaining three views, there are varying opinions of the details within this view, there, again, you, you can find a full preterist, a partial preterist, et cetera, et cetera, right, of the different details that people disagree on within this viewpoint. Okay, according to this viewpoint, much of the tribulation took place in the first century with the rise and the fall of, of Rome, with King Nero and the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Okay, and um, the, according to this view, the whole world will eventually be saved 
and then we'll live a thousand years with Christ in all, in an all Christian world. And then the final judgment, which is described in Revelation 20, will happen once a thousand years have passed. The church's job is to save the entire world. And according to this view, Revelation has sections of symbolic as well as sections of literal language, and it switches between symbolic and literal language. And according to this view, Revelation is primarily messianic prophecy. That most of it is messianic because, once again, the church will save the entire world through Christ. And so Revelation is focused primarily on the Messiah. Okay, and the thousand years will not start until the entire world is evangelized. And so since there are still many people groups in our world that have not yet heard about Christ, and we are all surrounded by lots of unbelievers, according to this view, the end is still a long ways off. All right? See, I'm, see I've made it very clear for all of us now, right? I know, it's clear as mud. Okay, hang with me. Okay, I understand. This is, so this is one of them, Proteris. Okay, on to, um, again, any questions? No, I do, do not raise your hands. Okay, okay the next view. View number three is known as the idealist or spiritualist view. The common name for this view is amillennialism. Again, amillennialism meaning awe is no millennium thousand. So according to this view, okay, is um, this view has, there's no specific historical events described in Revelation. Okay, the book portrays the big picture of God versus evil. And this epic battle is still going on today. Okay, Revelation is made up of primarily symbolic language, and, which, which it, and it represents the ongoing tribulations that are happening over and over again as we see history repeating itself until God decides that enough is enough and eventually returns. Okay, the thousand years uh, in this view is symbolic language for a long time. Okay, it, is, it is like saying it will take me forever to finish this job. Okay, and according to this view, we are in the thousand years right now. Okay, and according to this view, Revelation is primarily general prophecy. Again, there's no, no specific person or event um, named or talked about, but it, 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 instead it describes any event that happens in history as a general description. Okay, and in the same way, the term Antichrist does not just describe one specific person, but it is, is, it is symbolic for anything that is anti-Christ or against God. And the world, again, will continue in a downward spiral further and further away from who God is and from who he is, right, until the Father finally decides that, again, that, that enough is enough and that they can't get any further from him and he will come back and end the world. Hey, um... Again, the world will continue in this downward, downward spiral until Christ returns, bringing the final judgment. Okay, again, in this view, um, the mark of the beast that's described in Revelation 20, verse 4, that we read this morning, is also symbolic. Okay, it is symbolic of the, it mentions the forehead, and the forehead is symbolic for the way that we think. Okay, that again, that the mark of the beast, the evil, is the way that we see the world, the way we think, the way we process things. Okay, and the hand, the back of the hand, is symbolic for our actions, for the things that we do. Again, the evil actions that we have, the mark of the beast. Okay, the, and according to this view, the world will continue on this downward spiral until Christ returns, bringing the final judgment. Again, and the church's job uh, during this time, until that happens, is to save as many as we can before Christ returns in the final judgment. Okay, so that's that view. 
as you can tell, okay, completely different than the other one, right? You see why these are in different camps. So now, are we ready? Because here's the last one. Okay, and this one is just as different as all the other ones. Okay, the last one is the futurist or the dispensationalism or the premillennialism view. Okay, again, dispensationalism is a very common name. Again, premillennialism being pre before the millennium. Okay, premillennium. Um, just like the others, there are many differing opinions within this view. There's a classic dispensationalist, a progressive dispensationalist, a, a pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib rapture dispensationalist. Okay, there are all kinds of categories within this, this, within this view. Okay, um, if you have heard of the popular book series, Left Behind, how many of you have heard about that book series? Okay, that book series was written from this perspective. Okay, and um, okay, according to this view, Okay, God saves the world through the Messiah in two phases. Okay, phase number one was Jesus' first coming, his death, and his resurrection. The story of the Gospels was the phase one, right, of God saving the world through the Messiah. Okay, the phase two is the rapture of the church, a literal seven-year tribulation and judgment, and then Jesus' second coming at the end of that seven years and a literal thousand-year reign on the earth with all believers before the final judgment happens. According to this view, we are currently stuck between the two phases and waiting for the second phase to start. And the, church, um, the church's job is to hold on and do our best until God finishes the job in the second phase. Okay, according to this view, Revelation is made up primarily of literal language. So the seven years of tribulation is literally seven years. The thousand years reign is exactly a thousand years, that amount of time, on a calendar. Again, according to this view, the mark of the beast that is described in Revelation 20, verse 4, is also literal. It is a literal computer chip or tattoo or some sort of physical tracking device that is used to literally track you and will literally be put on your forehead or the back of your hand. Okay, according to this view, Revelation is primarily end times prophecy. The, the vast majority of Revelation has not happened yet. So there are the four views. How are we feeling? How do we feel? I know everybody's looking at me like, what? Really? There's the four views. And now you can see how important these purposes and these categories become. Because each of these views looks at Revelation and has different opinion as to which category and what purpose most of Revelation fits into. And these views use exactly the same scripture and used up and end up at drastically different conclusions. Okay, so here's the truth. As we look at these views, okay, the truth is that we need to know ourselves. We need to know what God really intended us for us to get out of Revelation. Because the truth is that most people's understanding of the end times is a mix of these three different views. Okay, because that's what most of us do within Christian, right? Because we don't read the scripture ourselves, we just listen to what everybody else has to say about it. Okay, and so we listen to people not knowing which camp they're in or which view they're coming from, and we hear pieces of things that make sense, and we piece those all together, and then that becomes our view of the end times. Okay, again, if you were to grab a random Christian off the street and ask them their, end, their view of the end of the world, is they would give you bits and pieces of all of three of these views. Okay, and um, again, if it's not scripture, it is coming from one of these biases. 
Okay, and, and believe me, there are parts of each of these views that make sense and can fit into Scripture easily. And there are parts of each of these views that are hard to fit into Scripture. Which is why, again, in the small groups challenge, I'm challenging you to go back, take these views, okay, and take these back to Matthew 24 and compare them to the words of Jesus. And I will tell you, there are parts of all three of them. There are parts that fit into Jesus' words in Matthew 24 pretty easily. And there are parts of them, of all three of them, that are a little bit of a stretch with Jesus' words. Okay, but please hear me on this. Okay, there are parts of each view that make sense. There are parts of each view that are a stretch. But don't take parts of each one and mix them all together. Okay, because the truth is we do this with the Bible all the time. We like to take pieces that are easy and that we like, and we want to leave behind the parts that are hard, right? And then we just kind of piece our own theology together, and then yet we end up drastically from what, who God really is, right? And not just with all of Scripture, but especially with end times, we can't just take the parts that are easy and leave the parts that are hard, okay? We have to believe the whole Bible, Right? And no matter where you land in end times, is it has to fit in with the picture of the whole Bible. Okay, uh, um, again, either, um, either God loves you and makes a way for you and saves you, or he didn't. Right? And either he wrote down the instructions we need and the roadmap for our journey, or he didn't. Okay? And again, we have to take it in whole. Again, we cannot do that with Revelation. You, can't, you need to read it yourself, right? And not just listen to other people's views. So many times, like I said, we hear all these bits and pieces of these different preachers and these different resources, and we don't know what bias they're coming from. And then we end up with our own version of end times that doesn't fit in any category. Okay, and I like to call those people the millenniumists. Right, whatever I decide is, what I, is what's gonna be good. Okay, and again, we cannot do that. Okay, we have to be true to Scripture and true to who God is and what he wrote and what he told us. Okay, and we need to, again, follow that through. Now, again, I'll tell you, so again, that's one view, right? That's one way people deal with end times. We just take bits and pieces from all these different things, from what people say, and I just kind of pull it together, and it just all sounds good, and that's what I'm going to go with. Okay, now, there, there's the other extreme. Okay, the other extreme is people that I like to call panmenialists. Okay, which means however it pans out, I'm fine. I don't have to know. I don't have to decide which camp I'm in. Okay, and again, and truthfully, that's a better place to be because then if you are with God and he is your savior and you are following Christ every day in your journey and you're journeying closer to Christ tomorrow than you are today, then however it happens, you will be fine. However it pans out, you're good to go because God wins. Okay, and all of these views end up at the same place at the end of Revelation 20 and the white throne judgment, and we all end up with God in unhindered presence in heaven. Okay, now again, somewhere in between, right, lies all of these views of Revelation. Okay, and like I said, my challenge to you is to read it yourself, right, and to seek the Holy Spirit, okay, and that no matter where you land with, with, in whatever camp or whatever decision, Okay, that you are solid in your faith in Christ, right? And the end times never becomes a salvation issue. So that no matter where you land, 
make sure that you base your life on the facts of the Bible and not varying opinions of vague issues that Bible scholars have argued over for all of time. Okay, follow the steps we've learned on how to properly read prophecy, read the scripture yourself, trust the Holy Spirit, and then start down the road to a biblically-based opinion. Okay, and that's my hope for you in this series. And again, I understand, I've opened a lot, you probably have more questions now than you had when you got here. And this was probably not what you expected to hear today. Okay, but again, my hope, I hope you hear my heart today, right, is that my heart is Jesus and salvation through Jesus, right? And no matter how we view the end times, and again, I'll tell you, I have an opinion, right? And again, if, you, if you're curious, I'll talk to you about it, but I'm not gonna tell you from the stage, okay? Because I want you to figure it out on your own. Okay, in fact, if you come and ask me today, I'm not gonna tell you because I want you to go to scripture, okay? But here's my final thought to you today, okay? And that's this. There is evidence to support any of the three main views of end times. Okay, look at each of them, seek the Holy Spirit for guidance, and come to your own conclusion. Okay, we want to get what God needs us to get out of Revelation, not what somebody else that already has a preconceived bias tells us. Okay, scripture, scripture, scripture. I hope I'm clear. All right, as we conclude our service this morning, um, I hope that, one, that you will not leave here today questioning whether you are saved or whether you're on God's side. If you have never received Christ your Savior, I hope that you will do that because end times is not a salvation issue. Okay, but I hope that you leave here today knowing you are saved and you are following Christ. Okay, if you've never received Christ your Savior, I invite you to just sit right here in your seat or to come forward to pray, but invite Christ into your life. Confess your sins. Say, Lord, I believe in you. I know you're in control, right? And forgive me. Come into my life, right? And send me on the journey of faith. Right, you can just pray and receive him this morning, and I hope that you'll do that if you've never done that before. But now, Lord God, that is our pray, our prayer here this morning, God, that your light would shine in our life. God, we know and believe, God, that you are mighty to save. And God, we thank you that you have saved us. Lord, that we don't have to worry about the details of the end times, Lord, we know that you win. And we thank you so much for that. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would shine your light in our life. God, especially this week as we celebrate uh, within our, our church, within our families, and within our nation of all the things that we're thankful for, God, we're so thankful for you. And God, I pray, Lord, for your ongoing blessing in our lives. God, that we would turn to you, Lord, that we would shine your light. God, especially this week as we travel, as we gather with family and friends, God, that all we're thankful for, God, would point back to you. Because God, we know you are our provider. And God, you have provided a way for us to be saved, and we praise you for that. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to study and look at the differing ways to interpret your word about how the world will end, God, that you will continue to guide our minds and our hearts as well. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us down to the conclusion that you need us to be at. God, help us to shine your light today as we go, and especially this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving. We love you. Guide us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.